everyone can't know all, I mean, really all parts of that mosaic. Um, there are different parts. And Liz Crokin, the, again, when she came out yesterday and, and, and made reference to that Virginia shooting and uh, the the connection uh, with, with uh, uh, Scalise to the child tra- trafficking, it just never occurred to me, but but when you start stop and think about this and start looking at all the pieces from different angles, so I, I said all that to say this. I hope, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you can see that we are progressing with the with the efforts of Joe, with the efforts of Eric, the tech, John Robertson, who will be uh, actually will be coming in to the studio, uh, moving. Uh, picking up sticks and moving, you know, 3,000 miles uh, to be in here. What we're doing is we are we are operating under a new mandate, if you will. We, Your support, I hope you can see where your support is going and how we are growing and how we are progressing moving forward. And it's with guests like we're, like Bill Warner, uh, the political Islam, talking about topical things that we're going to be talking about understanding the problems and then like we had with Andrew Kerr uh, the last segment not just understanding the problems but going after them like Mr. Kerr has done and is doing so we are bringing you not just the problems not just exposing the problems but the problems and the potential solutions and we ourselves as a group have formed um, the, the task force really to go after a number of different things, whether it be the political or Islamic infiltration in the political systems to expose that or the pedogate issues, regardless of what the subject is, we have taken up that mantle. And this is what we're doing now. We're, we are being proactive. We're not just saying, Hey, that we have a problem. We're saying, this is the problem. This is what we're doing about it. Here are the people involved that are doing things about it. And here is our anticipated result. And hopefully you, you can see that as we, as we are growing and moving forward. And I want to thank each and every one of you for your support. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your support. And even if, even it's a, if it's just a prayer or a, a word of mouth or just by subscribing to YouTube or YouTube channel, regardless, thank you. Or just tuning in, period. Thank you for doing so. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Our guest uh, for this segment, for this hour, is Dr. Bill Warner. Politicalislam.com is, uh, is the website, and we're going to open it up tonight. Uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. Um, there were, was a little bit of backlash from the Muslim community, at least in the media, over a billboard that was in Indianapolis, which was titled The Perfect Man. This billboard had six bullet points, which go on to describe uh, Muhammad, and they ne- never mention Islam. It never mentions Muhammad. It just is titled "The Perfect Man," and then it has six bullet points. And it starts with um, married a, a six-year-old girl. I believe that's the first one on the left-hand side. And it makes other claims. Uh, you know, killed 600 Jews in a day, uh, and and a few yeah, other ones. Doctor Warner can can certainly address them all. Uh, right, and, yeah. and uh, a lot of the criticisms about the billboard was that the claims on the billboard were inaccurate. They were lies. They were hate speech. And a lot of the people who said that were Muslims themselves. And again, even though the billboard never mentioned Muhammad or his name or or Islam, these people immediately identified it. 
with Muhammad, and rightfully so. Uh, Dr. Bill Warner, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, let's get right into this. Good. Glad to be back. I think we have something really remarkable happening here. First off, the people who put this billboard up, which uh, I spoke with one of them before they did it, they wanted to make sure that what the thing said were true. Instead of dealing with the religion of Islam and dealing with the Quran and dealing with Allah, they instead deal with, well, he's behind the screen, but they deal with Muhammad. Muhammad is the Achilles heel of Islam. And I love the fact that they didn't say it was any, it wasn't. I think the Muslims use the duck theory here. You know the duck theory? It walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, swims like a duck. It's probably a duck. And so I think that they were able to uh, look at all these bullet points and go, we're talking about our prophet Muhammad. So I thought it was clever the way they did that. Absolutely. Now, there's something else that's non-clever here, which points to a bigger problem. They wanted to put it on more billboards, but the national companies wouldn't carry it. So they had to find a a small local company who would carry it. And I think here we deal with the big problem, which is, is that in America, people do not want to be Islamophobic. And so what is Islamophobia? Well, Islamophobia is a ill, the, the, um, no one has ever been able to tell me what Islamophobia is, but everybody's afraid of it. (laughs) Well, getting back to the sign though, it shouldn't, I mean, I'm, I'm tongue-tied because, my goodness, no one's mentioned by name. Nope. <laughs> but remember the duck? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, walks like a duck. So I think some people said, you know, I think it's a duck. Hmm. Because the things that Muhammad did, I mean, they did not make up anything here. Everything they take out of, they put on the bulletin board, and by the way, this is only a few of his uh, foibles, shall we say all come from two sources. We know more about Muhammad than we do George Washington. For instance, I have no idea how George Washington went to the bathroom, but we know exactly how Muhammad went to the bathroom. We know about his bathroom habits. We know what he said before he went into the bathroom. We know what he said before he had sex. We know how he had sex. We know, what, we know how he ate. We know how, he, we know how he knocked on the door and how he laid on his back. I mean, the minutia we know about Muhammad goes on and on and on. And these six bullet points are just a few taken off the list of this is who Muhammad is. And yes, he did marry a six-year-old and consummated the marriage when she was nine. And let me, oh, by the way, let me give you the worst news. People will tell you that because they say she was six years old when he married her, and she was twelve years old, nine years old when it was consummated the marriage. What they don't tell you is, is those are lunar years, and they're even. The, the, the age is actually younger than that because we're used to thinking years in solar terms, which is 365 days a year. Right. Well, a lunar year is 12 months, 12 months of 28 days. And I don't know what the math does real quickly, but it's not 365 days. So she was actually a little younger than six, a little younger than nine when it was consummated. So uh, this is all factual material. All right. Is, is this, is what we're seeing part um this normalization, this strikes me as, as, as attempting to normalize uh, pedophilia. I don't know how else to describe that, but making it okay uh, to, to have sex with underage children 
is this is this what we're seeing here? Kind of an outgrowth from that. Uh, I, I, I'm not even sure how to how to frame that question aside from the way well, I did it. Let's address the bigger issue. Okay. There are 91 verses in the Quran which state that Muhammad is the perfect pattern for all human life. That every human being is supposed to be a father like Muhammad, a husband like Muhammad, a warrior like Muhammad, eat their food like Muhammad, go to the bathroom like Muhammad. So this is called the Sunnah, S-U-N-N-A, the Sunnah, the pattern of the life of Muhammad. So if there's 91 verses in the Quran which state that everybody is to live a life like Muhammad, what does this tell me? It tells me it's very, very important. Let's, let's diverge a little bit here about the Quran and the relationship to Muhammad. There are, there is, if you heard of the five pillars of Islam, you cannot practice a single one of the five pillars of Islam based on what's in the Quran. There's not enough information there. The Quran does not contain enough information to be a Muslim. Mm. So where does the rest of being a Muslim come from? Well, it comes from Muhammad. Remember those 91 verses? Yes. 91 verses say that everyone's to imitate Muhammad, and we know a lot about Muhammad. As I look up from my desk here, I can see a book called The Life of Muhammad. It's called the Sirah, S-I-R-A, and it's an 800-page book in fine print. Like I say, we know an enormous amount about Muhammad, and every one of these bullet points, the six bullet points, come from the Sirah, marriage with Aisha, killing the... Uh, now, by the way, some of they said he killed 600 Jews. They could make an argument, that's not true, he only killed 500. That's what the Hadith, the tradition say it was from 500 to 700, some say 900. But all those things, uh, the jihad, I don't know, I don't even think they mentioned jihad. But every point on there can be found in his biography. So this is literally true. The problem is we don't want to talk about it. Okay. I want to talk about it. <laughs> well, you, you know, the uh, news cycle, the news cycle seems to, to, to just change. Well, it does change daily, obviously, hourly. But people will recall the most recent London attacks, the attacks in London. Um, and then the, well, we had two, two attacks in, in the UK within 12 days of, of each other. And the London mayor, of course, being Muslim. Uh, this is what we're talking about here, in my view anyway, is still topical to, to the news because what we're seeing take place is the destruction of, of the UK, destruction of Europe. And of course, we're seeing this being pushed down our throats, Sharia. And this is, remember, just a week ago now, folks, this is a big topic here in the United States. Sharia, there were marches, pro-Sharia, anti-Sharia marches. Um, but yet you had people, even feminists coming out in support of Sharia law, which is just insane. So all of this is topical as we talk about this today. And Dr. Bill Warner is a is an expert on political Islam. In fact, his website, Islam.com. And he, May 25th, 2017, Human Rights, Sharia Wrongs. Of course, it's into a lot of things. But and Bill Warner, too, just real quick, the uh, I guess the definition of Islamophobia, according to uh, a number of, of sources, is the dislike of or prejudiced against Islams or Muslims, especially as a political force. But that's all it is, right? Islam is not really a religion, Doctor Warner. It's a it's a it's a political mm -hmm. uh, uh, 
it's it's a political ideology disguised as a religion. Am I correct, or is that am I off base here? Well, I, I would I would say it a little differently. Okay. Remember, let's go back to the Quran, and I told you about the Sirah, the life of Muhammad. Then we have the Hadith, his traditions, which are a little bitty story. There's a reason I'm bringing this up. Islam has a trilogy of three sacred texts: Quran, Sirah, Hadith. If we go through those and we measure and we take out everything that's about me, the Kafir, and you're a Kafir too, I presume, although I haven't really asked you. You're not a Muslim, are you? Nope. No, we are Christians. (laughs) I didn't think you were, but you said to confirm that. You are a Kafir, K-A-F-I-R, which means a non-Muslim. And I use the word Kafir rather than infidel uh, because the word Kafir means uh, one who covers up or conceals. And the usual adjective that goes with it is filthy kafir. So the kafir is the original Arabic word, and I use it because the word can't really be translated. Allah despises kafirs, hates kafirs, plots against kafirs, creates kafirs for the sole purpose of watching them burn in hell. So anyway, back to the three books. 51% of the text of the Quran, the Surah, the Hadith is about the kafir. Now, you would think that it would be about how to go to heaven and avoid hell, but that's only 49% of the, of the textual doctrine. What am I saying here? I call the part that deals with Kafir political since I am definitely not part of the religion. So it is both a religion and it is a political system, and really it's a cultural system. I've heard more than one Muslim here in Nashville, Tennessee, say Islam is a complete civilization, a complete way of life. If it were only a religion, I would be out of my workshop making a new piece of furniture. But because it's a political system, I'm here talking to you because I do not want to live under Sharia. Close are we. Uh, this is this is something that's been on our radar for, for quite some time, uh, Dr. Warner. Uh, watching these, simply put, watching this unholy alliance between the communists, I believe that's what they are, or although they might refer to themselves as progressives in, in the uh, in the on the left of center politically, this alliance between the progressives and the Muslims has never been greater. And then you, you, we're seeing the the feminists now; these these yeah. these feminist groups coming in, the LGBT it, groups. Yes, coming in. yes. What in the world, Doctor Warner, is going on here in the United States, especially, but also in Europe? What because the Sharia. You know, these coexist bumper stickers. Oh, my goodness. I mean, where do, where do you even start? But what's going on in the larger sense? And we can kind of drill down from there. You know, you mentioned earlier that we Islam was destroying Europe. I would say it differently. I would say Europe is creating, is committing suicide with the use of Islam. Because I don't know how many times I've said this. It is not Islam is so strong. It's that we are weak. We're ignorant. We're afraid. And so, therefore, we're slowly committing suicide because we don't want to stand up to the fact that there's a war going on here. And we've had an education system which has been taken over by those who are left of center for some time. And let me say this. Why has the left been able to take over the education system? Because the so-called conservatives and uh, libertarians are unwilling to stand and duke it out in the universities. Universities – let me take Vanderbilt University, which is here in – Nashville, Tennessee. I was there. I used to be proud of the fact I went there. I did my undergraduate. By self-reporting, over 90% of the faculty in the uh, liberal arts school is left of center. They either call themselves liberals, progressives, or just out and out leftists. 
Now, how are you going to get any balanced thought out of the university? You're not. I did a talk one time at Vanderbilt University and was accused by a man screaming in the back of the room that I was a racist, a hater, a bigot, and an Islamophobe. He was head of the Middle East Department. My talk merely consisted of statistical analysis of the Quran, the Sirah, and the Hadith. The point I'm making here is, is that critical thought is no longer being taught in the universities. Instead, it's ideological and implantation. It is being worked so well because who, I mean, I'm a freak. I'll actually show up and debate with somebody at a university. But let me tell you, the good Christians here in Nashville, Tennessee, don't want to do that because they are too nice. The real cancer we're suffering from is the disease of nice. Okay, apathy and... and, well, I, I, and I get that. Yeah. And that's that's similar to what I say. We don't have a problem with intolerance. We have a problem with tolerance. We tolerate too much. Don't forget, folks, it was just five days ago. It was June, uh, reported on June 11th. Uh, uh, Anti-Sharia marchers uh, met with counter-protests around the country. And Dr. Warner, and again, I just want to drive this home with people, uh, the the images of the masses of people countering the people who objected the imposition of Sharia here in the United States, holding signs, my Sharia knows no hate, immigrant rights or workers' rights, resist Trump, um, uh, support Sharia, we stand with our Muslim neighbors. These are some just some signs I'm quoting here. I, I am a Christian uh, in support of Sharia. Uh, do these people even understand what they're talking about? I think that what the protester signs should have read, we hate Sharia wife beating. We hate Sharia jihad. We hate Sharia the demi status. That one may not be a good one to use. It might ask somebody to cause a, ask a question. But instead of calling out Sharia, we need to call out what it is. That I always like to use Sharia wife beating because no one will publicly defend wife beating, and yet the Sharia explicitly calls out how to beat your wife. This is not some drunken affair with white trash in a trailer park. This is a laid out in the scripture of Islam in both the Hadith, the traditions, and the Quran on here's how a Muslim is to beat his wife and why he's to beat his wife. What he's to tell the wife before he strikes her, where he's to strike her, how he's to strike her. So I think we should not oppose Sharia. We should oppose things like Sharia wife beating, Sharia jihad, Sharia stoning, Sharia amputations for crime. That is to put it, because once you say Sharia wife beating, a feminist is a little hard to stand up and say, we're all for Sharia wife beating. But Sharia has been, the biggest lie we hear about Sharia is, well, you know, Sharia is just like uh, Halakha, Jewish law. Or Sharia is just like uh, Christian, I mean, Catholic canon law. Well, canon law and, and Halakha, Jewish law, concern themselves with the Catholic and the Jew. The reason I object to Sharia is, is that Sharia says that I should shut up my face and not do what I do, which is to speak and write about Islam. So, okay, but, but, but we need to understand you, you, what we're opposing better. But, but doctor, you cannot, or can you extract um, wife beating and, and all the objectionable aspects of Sharia and, and still be intellectually correct or, or, or uh, ideologically correct? Well, when I say I, uh, the sign I would have held would have been uh, I oppose Sharia wife beating. I just want to educate as to what Sharia is, because like I say, most people have been sold the bill of goods that Sharia is simply a, another religious doctrine. But Muslims like to say, oh, Sharia is how we practice our religion. 
I'm real bad about measuring things. You've already heard a few numbers come out of my mouth. I look up at my desk and I see a book called The Reliance of the Traveler, which is a Sharia manual. 35% of it is devoted to how to do the five pillars. So 35% of the book is about how to be a religion. The other 65% are how to run a civilization. And I don't want to live in the civilization that they run. Because for one thing, I would not have my head. Oh, okay. All right. I'm kind of fond of my head. S- serves a more of a purpose than a, than a hat rack. Okay. And, and it does folks, keep the hat off my shoulders. And that's right. And, and folks, remember that the headlines, the big headlines this past weekend were the counter-protests against the anti-Sharia marches. Remember that. And yeah. remember the people on the streets. Go ahead. The, the anti-Sharia protests were uh, in a number of different states and, and cities. And the media last week was already uh, promoting them as, as hate-filled, violent sure. protest. And then the counter-protesters, you know, the LGBT groups and, and the, the communists got out there uh, to boycott the anti-Sharia protest, in, you know, standing up for Sharia law. And it is, it is crazy. It, it's complete. When you have groups that these religion, that this, you know, cult, religion, political system, whatever you want to call it, Islam, is... Uh, against to the point that they it's in their books that they kill you, but you are you're defending them. There is a, a cognitive distance there that um, hopefully can can be replaced one day with with common sense. But but Dr. Warner, back to I want to make sure we we cover this uh, the perfect man billboard. We went over the married the six year old. Uh, we we also talked about you know the, the beheading of 600 Jews in a day. Um, slave owner in a dealer. Day. Yeah. Slave owner and dealer is another one. Rapist is Let's another one. Let's talk about that. Okay. Let's talk about that. I, I, by the way, one of the, this is ironic. I taught for eight years at a historically black university. Now, what, the reason that is so ironic is one of the things they say about me is I'm a racist. A racist who took part of the civil rights movement in the, seven, in the 60s and 70s and yet and taught at a black university, and yet I am a racist. Now, where was I going with that? What was your question originally? We were uh, talking about the, the perfect man billboard, the slave owner and dealer. Ah, claim. Okay. What I learned being there was, is that the theory of slavery taught at this black university was what I called the West Coast of Africa with the evil white man on the wooden ship. Slavery starts with the white man on the wooden ship with the slaves on board, and he's getting ready to mistreat them and sell them for a profit. How come at a black university, and I'm just using this because I was there, doesn't teach the complete history of slavery, which is the white slave owner who was on the wooden ship bought them from a Muslim slave dealer who went through the process of jihad to put all these slaves in a pen so they could be sold. This was a commercial transaction with invoices and bills of sale. Why is it that Christians get contaminated with the truth of the fact that they uh, they took part in slavery, yet it was Christians who ended slavery. The Muslims who, who, and by the way, all this is in support of the fact that Muhammad was a slave dealer. He he retailed them, he wholesaled them, he gave them away for gifts. He tortured them. He prayed while they were tortured. Uh, So Muhammad was deep into the slave trade. Part of the process of jihad was to capture Kafirs and sell them for the profit to buy armor and horses for more jihad. Mr. Warner. Why isn't this normal? Dr. Warner, we're up against the, we're up against the network break. Uh, we're going to pick up here right where we left off. Why isn't this known? 
the history of the the Muslim history of uh, their involvement in the slave trade and the mis uh, continuing to talk about the misconceptions and the lies that Muslims uh, when they talk about their their faith of Islam. Folks, we're talking with Dr. Bill Warner. PoliticalIslam.com is the website. We'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Stream media won't tell you. You are listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Please stand by. Doug and Joe will be right back. Listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report, streaming live on the Global Star Radio Network. Don't go away. Doug and Joe will be right back in just a moment. listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Stay tuned. Doug and Joe will be back momentarily. im Kindergarten. Bieb, das macht dann 10 Euro. Was? Bei Netto Markendiscount gibt's doch diese Woche die Samstagskracher. Plattförsiche, Klasse 1, die 1 Kilo Schale für nur 1,29 Euro. Dann geh doch zu Netto!
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Dr. Bill Warner is our guest. PoliticalIslam.com is his website. Before we get back to Dr. Warner, I'd urge everyone to go to Trading Post in the Woods. They're our partners in this radio endeavor as we as we look at uh, the long-term, the necessity of having long-term uh, possibilities or long-term uh, yeah, possibilities in our cabinet. What would happen, for example, if your pharmacy, if you didn't have any any way uh, well, to, to get aid from your pharmacy? You might be up, up a correct panel. Well, Training Post in the Woods have got just some amazing products. American Heritage Remedies Kit Deluxe Package. That was created just for the listeners of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I've got to tell you, we have used products from Training Post in the Woods with great success. These stem from the old remedies your grandmother used to have, perhaps your great-grandmother. Those old folk remedies, but they work. They're very effective. And this is based on many, many years. Uh, the owners responding to uh, disasters upon disasters and finding that people weren't prepared for what they were involved in. Training Post in the Woods has a way that you can prepared, be prepared for whatever disaster might befall you and not having to be reliant upon pharmacies or that kind of uh, doctors if one that's not available. Let me tell you, these home remedies, if you will, they work. I swear by them. My wife does as well. We've seen some amazing things from the products, tradingpostinthewoods.com. Folks, go there, tradingpostinthewoods.com. Spend some time on the website. Have a look at the products. And I would definitely, definitely grab, your, grab yourself the products and even some of the uh, informational uh, products that they have, tradingpostinthewoods.com. This, again, last weekend, Joe, and, and I just want to, and you, you can continue with the, with the um, uh, with what you're talking about before the break, but I just want to remind people because a number of cities, I think 28 cities in the United States, there were, there were protests, rallies held in about two dozen cities in about 20 uh, states. They were organized by the conservative group Act for America, uh, which the Southern Poverty Law Center calls the largest grassroots anti-Muslim group in America, claiming 280,000 members and over 100 or over 1,000 chapters. The organization describes itself as the NRA of national security. And frankly, I agree with that depiction. And the issue at hand here last weekend was the position of Sharia, the, how Sharia has been making inroads across the United States. Just go look at the UK, look at, look at uh, Proposition uh, M103 in Canada, that motion 103 in Canada uh, right now regarding hate speech. There's a lot of things taking place, part and parcel to what we're seeing, is exactly what Dr. Bill Warner's specialty and where it exists. Now, Joe, I'm going to kick it back to you, uh, and you can continue on with what you were asking prior to the break. Yeah, we're talking about the perfect man billboard in Indiana, in Indianapolis, and we were talking about the uh, one of the claims on the billboard, slave owner and dealer, and Dr. Warner, you were um, beginning to explain some of the origins of slavery, both on the side of the slave takers and of the side of, of those who had freed the slaves. Um, why don't you pick up right where you left off? We need to understand the roots of slavery. 
there were, uh, best I can calculate, slavery is a bad business, and one of the ways it's bad is the collateral damage. I've spoken with a slave uh, from, uh, who escaped slavery from Islam, and he lived in Africa. He and his sister went to the marketplace to sell beans. The jihadists came. They were jihadists, and they killed his mother and father and captured his wife, his, his sister and him. They took them immediately away a long distance. She was raped every night, gang raped. And finally, he was introduced to his new owners who said he no longer had a name. He would be called Abin, black slave. That's the Arabic term for black slave. Each took a stick and hit him, and he got to sleep in the barn with the animals. I'm just bringing you this so that we don't think that slavery is an issue. And I saw this man at Vanderbilt University give a talk. And I was the only one in the room who wanted to talk about the source of his slavery, which was Islam. So is the reason that Islam is so deep into the slave trade, remember I told you, remember the phrase Sunnah, S-U-N-N-A, of Muhammad? Muhammad was a slave dealer and a slave trader. Therefore, any Muslim can participate in slavery. Now, let's go back to the collateral damage. I told you that he has his mother and father killed. It is estimated that five people died for every slave and put in the slave pens. And the reason they died is this. When the village was attacked, they killed strong men until finally no one was left to resist. The healthy working adults were then force marched quickly away from the village leaving behind the ill, the old, and the babies. So you had to kill a lot of Africans to bring home one African to put in the pen on the west coast of Africa. And by the way, slaves were also sold in the Mediterranean. Ooh, and have I mentioned white slavery yet? There's an an estimate that over a million and a quarter Europeans were taken in slavery, in slave raids across the Mediterranean into Europe. They went as far as 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 Iceland, and they went as far as frequently to uh, Ireland. Now, Muhammad had slaves. He had black slaves. He had white slaves. He had Arab slaves. The reason we know this is, is that the race of his slaves were told. He profited from their sale, and he had sex slaves. Islamic State was condemned by people as being grotesquely un-Islamic for having sex slaves, and they wrote an entire magazine called The Beak, which they gave all the justification for sex slaves, and I love reading Islamic State's theology, doctrine, tracts that they put out because they're dead on good. They know their business. They should. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi has a PhD in Islamic studies from Al-Azhar. So they proudly proclaim that sex slaves are Sunnah of Muhammad and that every Muslim can have a sex slave. They are correct in these assertions. So Islam is the root, the taproot of slavery, and yet they walk off scot-free. Christians are smeared with the concept of slavery, and yet they were the ones who ended it. We need to be getting some justice, but we cannot wait on justice from the powerful. We cannot wait on justice from the Muslims. We must create justice from down below. We need to have schools, such as religious schools. There's a large one here at David Lipscomb University. It's now called Lipscomb University, and it's a Church of Christ school, but they will teach you nothing of the suffering of Christians under Islam. They will teach you nothing of the true slave trade. If you'll notice, I have a theme here. I do not blame the left for winning. I blame us for losing. You understand the difference? I don't whine about how good the team is that beat us. I whine about how we don't get out and do our laps and do our work, and so therefore we show up at the game. We don't even show up. I'm a critic of us for losing. I do not criticize Islam for winning. I do I criticize the left for winning. 
We need to learn from our enemies and realize there's something better than a ball game on Saturday afternoon. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, and folks, that's important. That that whole idea, that whole concept is important to really comprehend. Um, what Dr. Bill Warner just just stated. It's 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 phenomenal. You want to continue on that path with the. Um, yeah, let's go. Billboard. Let's go uh, to the next claim. Let's, let's, let's go to the next billboard. Okay, it's the, rich. The next claim on the billboard is rapist. Yeah. Well, I think we've already touched on that, haven't we? Yes, we I, I think we covered that pretty we, well. We've also. Well, we, we we can we can deal with it some more. Muhammad, here's 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 a here's a cheat day with Muhammad. He attacks your tribe. He kills your husband. He kills your father by torturing him to death. Then he takes you and marries you, and you have sex with him that night. Now, that's a hot date with Muhammad. Hey. How do I know that? Because it is given. I, you don't need to make anything up when you deal with Islam. This comes from the Sirah, the life of Muhammad. Now, it does not say it was a hot date. That was, my, that was a little irony there, a little attempted, a little levity here in the middle of a little the sort of performance. Yeah. So uh, it's all there. But no, uh, now you may say well, that's not really rape, but let me go further with the rape idea. In more than one verse in the Quran, it mentions that you can have sex with those whom your right hand possesses. That is a term of art for the slave that you have captured in combat. So that means in Germany, when a Muslim manages to catch a German girl and rape her, that is not a crime in the eyes of Islam. That is an act of jihad. He had her in his possession. And the Quran and Muhammad Sunnah gives him the right to have sex with her as much as he wants. Because... He is following the Quran. He is following the Sunnah of Muhammad. So we need to understand here that all, everything that a Muslim does has its roots in the doctrine of Islam. Okay. All right. And, and folks, this is important again because what we're witnessing today is everything that Dr. Warner is delineating here, and it's being defended by people really who either are witting or well, unwitting dupes or willing participants in this um, subjugation to a doctrine of uh, uh, oppression, I guess is the best way to put it. Go ahead, continue. The um, one of the next claims on the billboard is beheaded 600 Jews in one day, and you said that that figure um, between five and five nine. and seven hundred, yeah, seven hundred to nine hundred. So we could criticize them there, but by the way, let, there's a lesson to be learned here. Look, there's a lesson to be learned in all of this stuff. Islam continues to do the same things. You know why? Because they work. People say, oh, Islam needs a reform. You ever notice the people crying out for reform are not the Muslims, but those are, who are Kafirs? So mm-hmm. there's no need to reform what is... We, I'm from the South, and we have a saying down here, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So why would, you, why would Islam as a political doctrine, taking over civilizations, is working better now than it has since the days of Muhammad? Why would you want to improve this by reforming it? That's yeah. a good point. And obviously they've been successful throughout history in in their mission, in their caliphate, and uh, continue to, to be successful here today, both in the U.S. and in Europe. Yes, very successful. Very successful. You, you wrote an article. Um, in, in fact, you had, uh, man, uh, 14, let me just make sure I have this right. Uh, when you were talking about the uh, refugees, and this is something that we talk we talk a lot about, uh, Dr. Warner, is, is the number of refugees coming into this country. 
one thing I'll, I'll mention. I had a meeting, or Joe and I both had a meeting. Uh, this was, I, I think, around June 1st with uh, Sargas Sangari, commander of the Assyrian Army, uh, Kashaba as well, at an undisclosed location where we were getting some information. We were, we were getting briefed about the genocide against Christians in Syria in, and, and in Iraq. All right. Now, we got, we got some we, – we, we were allowed to see some papers that uh, are not public. And to, to see these papers, it just blew our minds. But in your – and they, they had to do with the refugee crisis um, or when I, I shouldn't say crisis, the refugee uh, issues facing Europe. And you had written an article, I think it was uh, uh, February 8th of this year, The Truth About Christians Among the Refugees, where you cite the figure of four, only 14% of refugees who filed for asylum uh, in Germany in 2015 were Christians. Uh, essentially, the rest were Muslims. Yes. Okay. What's going on here on, on both ends? Where are the Christians? Well, Here's, here's, let, me, let me talk about what I directly know. I know about Nashville, Tennessee. Here we have a Christian organization, Catholic Charities, who is the one who makes the money by bringing in Somali refugees. Now then, amongst other things, it's not just, I don't want to be off on a Christian thing here because I could also flog the Jews. There's a, one for them bringing in refugees. There's Lutherans. I think the, uh, there's many Christian groups who are making a deal with the government that they will bring in Muslim refugees and take care of them. Absolutely. And they'll, get, and they'll make some money. Yeah. One of the things that they will sign in the contract is this, that they will not attempt to convert any of the Muslims. I don't know how familiar you are with Christian doctrine, but there's something called the Great Commission. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. But for 30 pieces of silver, these Judases, who consider themselves, by the way, to be morally superior to me, I'll tell you that, are selling out Christianity for a little profit, actually for a lot of profit. So who am I blaming here? I'm blaming the Christians for this. Why aren't the Christians jumping up and down and raising a little ruckus over this? I, can, I spoke with one woman who is a, uh, a Syrian Christian. Her mother came to America on a 747. She was the only Christian on the airplane. All the rest of them were Muslim refugees. And why is this? Because the Christians won't stand up for their own. I don't blame the Muslims for winning the refugee war. I blame us for losing the refugee war because we choose not to fight. We're dying of the disease, the cancer of nice. What, whatever happened, happened to backbones of people? I don't know. Did they not issue those as a standard issue for a citizen anymore? Yeah, I, I, I love it, doctor. And really, don't hold back because this is one of my pet peeves here. Really, we, we, are, uh, we are rolling over. You know, as Christians, Dr. Warner, as Christians, you're right. We are supposed to adhere to the – we are supposed to go out and preach the gospel. That's, that's our mandate as Christians. Yet, as you stated, for 30 pieces of silver, these organizations have acquiesced into this, well, okay, hands-off approach. This is incredible. It really is. Well, I mean, there's something else that's incredible. Uh, I usually don't talk about religion, but I know enough about to talk about this. In the book of Matthew, there's a prophecy by Jesus that on Judgment Day, Christians will be judged on 
how well they treated the persecuted church. When I was naked, did you clothe me? When I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was in prison, did you visit me? And let me tell you something. In Nashville, Tennessee, the churches, 95% of them proudly proclaim, we will do none of those things. Instead, we will bleed in our hearts for the poor Muslims. But we will not stand up for the persecuted Christians. I mean, I think that's appalling. Absolutely. No one's standing up for the Our government, from what Joe and I saw, our government, the State Department, Mike, well, and I, we oh, have yeah, to be careful, yeah. you know, I, I, the State Department uh, under Obama allowed, in my view anyway, just based on an assessment of the documentation we saw, allowed Christians to be wiped out, wiped out of Syria. And that's why there, there, there are very few Christians coming into these European countries as well as um, America, because they're dead. But why weren't the Christians in the street with signs protesting outside the White House, bring our Christians home? Exactly. No, I blame us again. Yes. I, look, I never played much sports because I was into books instead, but I have been around those who have. And when it comes time to look at the game films, the coach does not stand there and say, look how good the opponents was. Why were they so good? Why did they do this so well? Instead, they look and say, when they did this, we didn't do that. That is, we analyze why we lose. And we don't seem to be able anymore to analyze why we lose anymore. Instead, we want to proclaim, oh, nobody's losing. You see, we all cross the finish hand singing kumbaya hand in hand. We don't have winners and losers anymore. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I'm going to read a paragraph to you. And uh, like your your two sentences, actually, and I like your uh, assessment of this. This from NPR. Again, um, this was published just a few days ago where in response to the anti-Sharia protests, as they were described. According to NPR, here, here's what they wrote. Sharia is a, quote, is a legal or philosophical code derived from Islamic scripture and meant to guide the behavior of observant Muslims, end quote. As NPR's Tom Jelton noted, religious experts say it's similar to parts of Christian and Jewish customs. Now, I know what you said earlier, but that, what would you say to that specific piece of text? It's half true. Mm-hmm. By the way, I've testified in court, and I had to. I was noticing that when they swore in some people for the recent Hubar in in uh, Washington D.C., do you tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Notice that emphasis on the whole truth. You know why they want the whole truth? Because a half truth is a lie. There it is. So what they told you is a half truth. Yes, it does involve religion. It does involve their customs, and yes, there are similarities. But let me tell you something. Halakha, Jewish law, says that Jews don't eat bacon, but it doesn't tell the goy not to eat bacon. Uh, and what happens in Islam under Sharia, nobody eats bacon. Everybody has to dance to the tune of the Sharia. That's the only reason I care about it. Look, I, dis- I d- define the term political Islam as to deal with, to talk about the part of Islam that deals with the Kafir, the non-Muslim. That's all I care about. And I don't care about the way the Sharia includes me in its list of do's and don'ts. Get off my back. Mm. Okay. Well said. I want to continue just one more thing with this, because I, I, I found a lot of interesting. Uh, this NPR uh, article is, is just re- really interesting um, in the context of the anti-Sharia protests. And then that's their term, not mine. Um, a few miles away, this author writes, other Atlantans held a counter protest and food drive. Um, there was a woman by the name of Ozma Aluni, apparently. 
uh, of the Georgia chapter of the Council on American-Islamic Relations. I'd like to get your take on them, too. Criticize the anti-Sharia protesters. This is what this person said, this Muslim said. If they're against Sharia, are you against feeding the poor? Are you against being friendly, showing love? Because essentially that is Sharia. Well, once again, she's telling us half the truth. It does include those things. Mm-hmm. But it also includes a doctrine called Al-Wa'al-Wa'al-Barah, which means hating that which Allah hates and loving that which Allah loves. This is a ethical consideration, which is included in the Sharia. And let me ask you a question. Who do you think Allah hates? Ah, the Kafir. Who does Allah love? The Muslim. So she says is partly true. Muslims aren't to love other Muslims. Now then, there are 12 verses in the Quran. Notice how I keep using these numbers. I love it. Well, there are 12 verses in the Quran which state that a Muslim is never the friend of a kafir, but they can be friendly to the kafir. Do you know the difference between friendly and a friend? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, one will bail you out at 2 o'clock in the morning, the other will wish you well. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you ever want to meet some friendly people, go to any used car lot. There you go. Good, good analogy. So, so now then, what we've said is, yes, she's partially true. Oh, by the way, you mentioned you mentioned an earlier organization. You mentioned CARE there, Committee on American Islamic Relations. You mentioned an earlier thing called Southern Poverty Law Center. Yep. You didn't tell them about me. I am proudly one of Southern Poverty Law Center's top ten racist, hater, bigot, Islamophobes. See, I need to ask for a pay raise on these talk show hosts. Wow. I think one of your appearances on our show in the past actually made an honorable mention also on yeah that. actually we uh our show for having you on we were uh given an honorable mention in yes, the we hate department yeah but <laughs> but by i believe it was by right wing watch or no the southern poverty so, southern poverty yep. okay yeah so hey well, we, well maybe i should get off the air right now it may, you know what i think we both should just kind of like crawl on and uh to go to our safe spaces. And you know, when it comes to the Southern Poverty Law Center, I always say you wear that as a badge of honor. There you go. Yeah. But you know, when I was young, they said I'd grow up to be nothing. Now I'm one of the top 10. I tell you, I'm a success. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you well, made it. Okay. <laughs> and this, you know, I believe this is so topical, Dr. Warner. And this is why we wanted to have you on because in the wake, of of these these uh, protests, I really see. Uh, oh, the, the, one, one last one, one more thing before we move on, because this is one thing that when I read this, um, I really felt that we were being we're, we're losing the war, the information war. Um, we are. Okay, NPR writes this concern. Of course, I'm not going to read the whole whole thing, but you know, be, that precedes this. Sharia has no chance of being imposed in the U.S. Anytime in the foreseeable future. Um, and this, no area of the U.S. has legally implemented Sharia, despite false reports on social media that Dearborn, Michigan enacted it. Now, your response. Well, whoever's writing this doesn't know anything about the Sharia. Sharia is more than a legal system. Sharia is also a civilizational custom system. Let me give you an example of how it's being done right now. I'm involved to give some expert advice to some attorneys who are in a business where they're trying to oppose a mosque in New Jersey, and the Department of Justice jumped in the middle of it with both feet. One of the things is, is that part of the terms of the settlement they want to impose is, 
is that no one involved in this can say anything that a Muslim doesn't want to hear. That is, they are implementing the definition of Sharia slander. Now, in our code of law, slander means I'm talking about you and telling a lie. Slander in Islamic code of law means you're saying something that a Muslim doesn't like. Whether it's true or not, it's simply immaterial. Department of Justice is trying to enforce Sharia laws with regards to uh, slander in this law and this uh, legal battle. We also see here in Tennessee that the, what is happening is the textbooks now in the seventh grade, something called human geography, are now confirmed that they're uh, acceptable to Muslims by an imam. So now then we're teaching Sharia version of history here in Tennessee. Mm. What these people want to seem like is they, they will say, well, we're having trouble when they go into a courtroom and the judge behind the bench has a green robe on. Green is the color of Islam. So um, we, it, Sharia is like a slow process that's coming about, and we're already adopting the fact that Sharia definition of slander and others and other such things. We're seeing it. You know, when you go to a, a interfaith gathering here in Nashville, Tennessee, you see the Sharia at work because the Muslims assert their rights to be right, and the Christians and the Jews fall over themselves in order not to bother the Muslim with any assertion that he would find unpleasant. Once again, observing the slander laws of Sharia. It's just willingly, willingly, just rolling over. Well, they roll over. Yeah. Look, 95% of the ministers in this town and 95% of the rabbis in this town are wusses, spineless, gutless wusses. I, I love that. Hold that, not just the thought, but that emotion, that, that sentiment, because on the other side of the network break here at the top of the hour, more from Dr. Bill Warner, politicalislam.com. You got to check out his website, his articles, and I'll tell you, just a very, very key man in the fight against Sharia, imposition of Sharia in the United States, in the takeover, cultural, religious takeover in the United States. He's really, uh, he's a guy that I'm gonna have to go down to Tennessee and buy him, uh, buy him dinner. I'm gonna tell you, I'm or wash his car. <laughs> gonna be right back, Let's stay, stay, Okay, that, that's better. Stay right where you at, folks. For the truth of what the mainstream media won't tell you, you are listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Please stand by. Doug and Joe will be right back. Listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report, streaming live on the Global Star Radio Network. 
Don't go away. Doug and Joe will be right back in just a moment. Listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Stay tuned. Doug and Joe will be back momentarily. Hagman and Hagman Report. Dr. Bill Warner is our guest. He's not holding anything back. Uh, he's the beloved. Uh, he's beloved by the Southern Poverty Law Center. You know, he does tell it like it is with respect to uh, with Islam. And folks, you might look. The, the news is the news. We've got a problem with. Uh, we, we have a problem with domestic violence here in this country. Of course, the shooting in Virginia. You've got uh, you've got all of the headlines. We're on the verge of, of a civil war, and it's my belief, it's our belief. You've got a number of things taking place, and the, Not, the, violent, the political violence. The political it's important violence. to make that distinction. I listened to a little bit of Savage today. Yes, and he talked about the last time that uh, representatives were attacked. I believe it was 1954 when the Capitol building was attacked by by Puerto the Puerto Ricans. Ricans. Yes, it was. That's a fascinating story, mm-hmm. historical account, by the way. One of the, the shooters, a lady, was just released a few years ago from, from prison, if I remember correctly. Um, but, yeah, that 1954 was, uh, at least from what he showed, was the last time there was, um, you know, an, a, an attack that they tried to assassinate congressmen. Yes. yes. But, but, but all of this, again, as we had talked initially from our, the uh, beginning of the program, we are part of this mosaic and, and a big part of this mosaic understanding this mosaic is Dr. Bill Warner in his expertise in explaining to us what is taking place in this country as well as throughout the world to Islam and the imposition of Islam and the willingness of the Catholics, of the Protestants, of the Christians, the the wussification. And I, I love it right before the break, you know, we're being wusses and see, it's my view as a Christian man, 
It's my responsibility to protect my family. And if I don't protect my, my, my family, then I'm worthless. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worse than an infidel if, if I, right. you know, and, and look, I, I am not, I won't, I won't be the first to draw blood, but I'll tell you something. I will answer. I will answer that appropriately. And, and what, what Dr. Warner said about the Christian churches being involved in bringing the refugees here, even getting paid to do so. We had Josh Tolley on uh, I don't know, a month or so ago, and he talked about the refugee programs that these churches and Catholic charities are involved with. And what was it? $2,500 a head they were getting. So there, there is, um, you know, you do have the bleeding hearts out there, the bleeding heart Christians. And when I say that, I don't mean Christians who are, who have uh, compassion, uh, you know, for others and want to help others. I mean, those who, um, who just are, are you know, you, there, there was a, an interview on Tucker Carlson yesterday. And I guess this is a better way to explain it. And it was about the the mentality that left. And I don't know who the guest was. It was in the first 20 minutes of his show where they talked about the contrast between the 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 right and the left and how many who are conservatives are Christians and have, have faith in, in Jesus. And, uh, you know, that is their moral compass. But these people on the left, many of them are atheists. And they believe a lot of these social issues like climate change and health care are, you know, this is their moral compass and they don't have a religion. So this is their religion to them, this, you know, uh, socialist ideology. And whether it's, it's uh, you know, misguided, good intentions. That's pretty twisted, actually. But it made a lot of sense. And, yeah. you know, it, it, I wonder how much of it is the lack of understanding of what Islam really is versus, I mean, how many Christians do you know that that understand what Islam is and what it, uh, you know, is attempting to accomplish would continue to do what they're doing and continue, you know, promoting Islam if they had that information. Uh, I don't okay. think many people could be even considered Christians if they had that information and continue to do I, what I they t- do. I totally agree with that. And some of the other things in addition to that, I'd like to get Dr. Warner's take on uh, Andre Carson and uh, the other guy in, in Congress, uh, two Muslims in Congress. Uh, how can that even be? Get sworn in on a Quran. John, John Brennan, uh, f- former head of the CIA, converted to Islam according to the FBI, uh, one FBI source. You've got DHS infiltration of Muslims. You've got the uh, just ripping out all Islam um, uh, training quotes and, and such. So all of are those the materials? Yes. So uh, well, let's come on in, Doctor Warner. Let's continue. Uh, you, you were saying about wusses. I love it. Just go continue. Well, this just goes to my philosophy of I blame. I say to the loser, you need to look at your game. You need to understand that you are losing first off, and that you want to be a winner, then why don't you examine why you're losing and why you're not winning? And, uh, and by the way, I don't want to be harsh on everybody. I usually say that I'm only condemning 95% of the ministers. I don't condemn them all. There are literally a handful and maybe it's even, but they, they range from one in 10 to one in 20. And these have become shy people. Now it's okay to be humble, but that's not to be distinguished. That needs to be distinguished from being shy and these people are, I mean, I just don't understand how they don't care. They call themselves people of compassion and want to help the Muslim refugees. I don't have a problem with that. But I do have a problem where you don't help the Christians at all. 
And I mean, I just don't understand this. I don't understand why. Here's an example. Um, this was told to me by someone who went to a Methodist seminary. There was a woman there who had identified herself as a former Muslim and converted to Christianity. You know what she was asked? Well, why would you quit being a Muslim? That's a perfectly good religion. This is, at a, this is at a Methodist seminary that they're saying, well, why would you want to become a Christian instead of being a Muslim? I mean, it's a little hard for me to understand, but it appears to me that what has happened is, is that the scriptures are no longer in use in the churches at all. And instead, what they're doing is they're listening to the New York Times and the Wall Street and the and New York Times and NPR. And, uh, you know, my statement is what the hell's wrong with you uh, to even ask a question like that or to make a statement like that. It's it, obviously Christians and Muslims. We do not worship the same God. That's a lie. That was. Oh, let me interrupt here. Go ahead, please. Well, I talked with a woman at, at David Lipscomb who was in a class and she said that they do not worship the same God. And the professor said Christians. And Muslims worship the same God, and that's as far as this discussion will go. In other words, sit down and shut up. <laughs> okay. This is at a Christian university. By the way, the same Christian university gave a whole seminar on the beauties of Sharia finance. Brought in a woman, who, a Muslim who works with CARE, to uh, talk about the, the wonderful position that Islam was the first to give women their rights. Hmm. This is at a so-called Christian university. Unbelievable. Well, believable, yes. Well, okay. And we, we have to always mention CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, unindicted co conspirators in the Holy Land Foundation trial. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. Um, all right. We've covered a lot of ground, but more to cover. Um, the, again, the, 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 you, you made an important distinction, too, about Jesus and about Europe, how Europe is being changed. And you said basically that. Uh, they're allowing that change or inviting that change, uh, allowing it upon themselves here in America, yes. I mean, here in America, what are we doing? I mean, we're doing the same thing. Yes. And, and now Donald Trump, his so-called Muslim ban, which I would like it to be that I believe it would be important for it to be that what's your take on what's taking place with that? Well, he's pushing against a tide. And uh, I think that I don't want to get off too much into Trump because I learned something of that. I like to deal with political Islam, and, which I'm an expert, and I'm not an expert on Trump. I read the same news sources you do. Sure. But he is pushing against a tide that's been in motion now for some time. Okay. And, he's gonna, and he is having a lot of difficulties, and I'm not sure how many things he can hammer on. Uh, I have learned one thing, though, from court cases such as this and others. When I was young, I thought that courts dealt in justice, but instead what they deal with is legal decisions. Mm, very good, good distinction, yes. And by the way, why is it that Trump has to do all this work to keep the Muslims out? Do you realize what would happen if there was a mass rally and 500,000 Christians showed up to demand that not another Muslim come into this country until we got in some Christians? But where is that mass demonstration? Where is the pressure that he looked? What is, we live in a world, by the way, we, we're in a sort of moral inversion. Society normally is supposed to work as this, is that ministers and religious people are supposed to be the exemplars of a moral position. That is, you should look at the minister and see moral courage and moral, and they're on the right side of issues. Well, are we seeing that? No, we're not. Because what is happening is, is those who should be delivering the moral message, they want politicians to do it for them. So 
Traditionally, politicians are considered to be the scum of the earth, something to wipe off your shoe when you leave the house, okay? And instead, what we see is, is that we now expect politicians to be the moral leaders. And indeed, in many cases, I've read public statements by congressmen about the persecution of Christians in the Middle East, which I do not find coming out of the churches. Again, we're leading a life, a society in which there's a moral inversion. Those who are supposed to be examples of moral leadership, the churches, instead look to the politicians and say, please take care of this because we don't have the guts to do so. Mm. Wimps. <laughs> Amen to that. All right. I mean, whatever happened to righteous anger? Whatever happened to moral outrage? Whatever happened to that? You, I think you said earlier, people are afraid um, to a big extent. They, the, the media has done such a, a great job at brainwashing the majority of the American public to accept Islam and to accept this, you know, crazy communist socialist uh, anti-American ideology. And I think, you know, those people that wholeheartedly accept that that's one thing, but then there, we talk about the silent majority out there. I think people are uh, timid and they don't, they're afraid of the backlash of, you know, these other people out there. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, if they could just get past that initial fear, Maybe we could, you know, have something to to work with. But what's it going to take, though, Joe? I mean, and Doctor Warner, what's it going to take? I don't know. A, a crucifix dipped or in a container of urine that doesn't that doesn't affect. You know, there's no more. There's no outrage. Right. There's but a cartoon no cartoon about Muhammad uh, and, and you know, murder. Christian right. sex slaves in Islamic State. Torture deaths. What I mean, if torture deaths and and women being set up as rape slaves. If that doesn't get, because they're Christian, if that doesn't get a Christian's ire up, what will? Amen. I'm serious. What will make anyone morally outraged anymore? They're all so busy being well-liked and nice. Everyone wants to be socially well-adjusted, and by that they mean not criticized. I was lucky. I was raised by a woman who was my grandmother who would tell the truth but hair lip the devil, and I caught her disease, which is telling the truth. Now, by the way, I catch some flack, but look. I find that when I was young, I was thought you judged a man by his friends, but as an old man, I'm telling you, you want to judge a man by his enemies. And you know what's the problem with some of these ministers? They don't have any enemies. Of course not. It's bad for business. And, you know, that's another thing. <laughs> I think there's more talk about mortgages than there is about how to help the world. Yeah. It's sad, isn't it? I mean, it's... Well, I'll tell you what's really sad... Nashville, Tennessee used to be called the buckle on the Bible belt. You don't hear that anymore because everybody realized that if Islam, if Nashville is the buckle on the Bible belt, let me tell you, the church's pants are down around its ankles. <laughs> okay. That's, good That's a good one indeed. But let me tell you, a Muslim will never be safer in his, idea, in his love of Islam than he will be in the city of Nashville, Tennessee. There's a church on every fifth corner, but they're just brick buildings with a white steeple. Speaking of churches, though, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Bill Warners, who we're talking with, and politicalislam.com is his website. Speaking of churches, one thing that we have noticed over the past decade and a half, actually longer, but specifically since, uh, I'm going to say 2000, well, I'll say since, 20, uh, since 9-11. I'll, I'll leave it at that. We have seen this takeover of churches. And I've no, I first noticed this in Buffalo, New York. Tom Bowerly, WBEN AM 930, 
was on this show all the time. We, we, him and I would uh, we would be talking about the different uh, infiltration, lack of one of six and such. But having said that, that got us into a area of research where we found that many churches were being purchased by the uh, the uh, Islamic Society of North America or other Muslim organizations. What's your observation on that, uh, Dr. Warner? Well, then the churches aren't needed anymore because people aren't there. And I think that one of the reasons that people are not there is, is that, the, you know, people hunger to do something that is, that is good and right. And they also hunger for a little things that, at least I believe this, I'm getting ready to make a point here, which is that people don't necessarily prosper when, when everything is smooth as silk, that sometimes a little tough work is necessary. We have four branches of the military. You know the only branch of the military that always more than meets its enrollment requirements? Mm. U.S. Marines. And what do they tell a young teenager? We do the roughest, toughest, hardest, meanest jobs in the world. And I used to be 18. I'm now 76. But when I was 18, if you told me that, I'd be like, yeah, give me some of that. That is to do something difficult, to do great work. And the churches are no longer involved in great work. They're just sort of involved in a selling fire insurance. Neulich im Kindergarten. Beep. Das macht dann 10 Euro. Was? Bei Netto Markendiscount gibt's doch diese Woche die Samstagskracher. Schweinenackensteaks in Westernmarinade. Das Kilo in der XXL-Packung für nur 3,99 Euro. Dann geh doch zu Netto! Good point. All right. Dr. Warner, take us where, Joe, are you going to jump in? I was going to say, take us where you want to take us because there's so many directions we can go in. I noticed that you've got, um, you've got some online uh, learning uh, courses. And of course, all of your, your, your materials are great, but if you want, if you want to mention that and uh, you, sure. you know, tell us about that and how we should and could, can, uh, enlighten ourselves about uh, Islam through your investigative research? Well, what has happened is, is I'm a scientist by training. And so what that means is, is I want to understand the theory that underlies any phenomena. And so in my teaching of Islam, what I want to teach people is the voice of Muhammad and the voice of Allah. So all of my books that I sell are not my opinion, but facts that you can find in the original document. I sell a Quran, for instance, which has the remarkable quality of you can pick it up and read it and understand it. And the reason is, is I took the original Quran and made it, I won't go into the details, but so that you, my goal is to make it easy to understand difficult material. The Life of Muhammad, the series 800 pages long and fine print and the most difficult academic prose I've ever read. So in my books, I sell two of them. One of them is a 200 page and the other is only 80 pages. But the beauty of my books is anyone can pick up and read them and understand them. My Life of Muhammad, for instance, I gave it to a 14-year-old girl and told her, gave her 20 bucks if she'd read it, and she could read and understand the Life of Muhammad. That is, this is a person in high school. So my materials are easy to read, and they're the original material that's been transformed into being easy to read. I do not deal in opinions. I deal in facts. And so what I've done is I've structured all this material my favorite job that I've ever had was a teacher. I couldn't believe that you get paid for talking and getting about something you liked and getting money for it. And so what I'm, my goal is to not impress some people with how smart I am, 
but instead of how easy I've made the material to understand. So you can, uh, you can learn Islam from me, and you always know if you're learning Islam, if it's not the word of Allah or the actions of Muhammad, you're not learning Islam. Everything I do is referenced back to that. So I sell training courses. My book's put together in a whole self-study course format, and you can get my books in audio format, print format, electronic format, and I've left, oh, audio books. Did I mention that? So anyway, I, I'm a teacher, and I teach about the subject of political Islam. Now then, what I would love to do is to be able to give up my job because I couldn't sell any books because the universities and schools were doing the job they're supposed to be doing, and then people wouldn't need me at all. So my dream is a society in which my books wouldn't sell because everybody already knows what I'm trying to tell them. It's a shame that, uh, I know we already covered this a little bit, but it's a shame when what you just said that the the content of your books uh, basically are, are going to be are, are shadow banned like they do on Twitter from you know institutions of education, and it just goes back to this mentality of and I call it it's like a Stockholm syndrome, uh, identifying and and basically falling in love with your enemy. That's how mm-hmm. I see this, uh, you know. This love for Islam, not so much in the media, because I know where the media is coming from. This is part of the globalism, globalist agenda to deconstruct our society and our constitution to to bring America down. But the the people who believe that they're doing the right thing by embracing Islam and censoring the truth. That's such a. I mean, when when this is when this world's all, all, all over and done with and we're all, you know, looking at the at a judgment. I hope these people realize one day what they really done because it's just, it, it's insanity. And, and Dr. Warner really in, in your um, human rights, Sharia wrongs, May 25th. <laughs> I really like that, that, that uh, column you wrote. Um, Islam claims to have the Supreme ethical system in Sharia. Um, and then you delineate how Sharia compares to the UN Declaration of Human Rights in 1948, and inarguably, it, it's inconsistent, of course, with with human rights. It's antithetical to human rights, and and so, so I, Dr. Warner, the um, Linda Sarsour, <laughs> what's her? How is it possible? And and I, I know this is an extension of what we've been talking about. But her popularity among feminist groups. Explain explain that to me, us. Well, the only way I can explain it is in some sort of sickness. Because Sharia, let's go back to if I were in a Sharia protest, I'd say I oppose Sharia wife beating. Look, any doctrine which involves a doctrine including how the code of how to treat women, which includes how to properly beat your wife, I mean, why do I even have to go further with this? And why is it when this Linda lady says these things about, you know, you'll love Sharia because you won't be paying any interest on loans. That sounds like a better credit card offer, perhaps, but it's simply not true. You don't pay interest, you pay a leasing fee. Who cares what you call it? It's money you have to put out of your pocket to get the business deal. So she can say all these things because the people who listen to her and applaud her don't know Sharia from Shinola. They don't know anything at all about it, so they believe everything that she says, and they don't want to be rude and interrupt her with the truth. 
Oh, let me brag here for a moment. You were talking about my books. Yes. My book, Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, is Amazon's best seller in Islamic law. Okay. Cool, huh? Sharia, oh, yeah, I love it. Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, right? That's yes. the title. Okay. And uh, it's, it's the best seller on, on, on Amazon on the, in the category of Islamic law. Now, I'll admit that's a narrow niche, but hey, I'm the best. You're, you're talking to a best-selling author here. Hmm. Yes, we are, and and we, and thank you. Seriously, even though that niche might be small relative to other categories, that is not to be taken lightly. No, congratulations. Uh, for, you know, really, um, it's an honor to, to talk to you. And, and Sharia law for non-Muslims, extremely important work of Dr. Bill Warner. I would recommend everyone to to grab a hold of, it. and that, that that will give you the ammunition, I believe. And correct me if I'm wrong, it'll give you the ammunition to intellectually have an intellectual discussion or debate with these morons that are holding up the sign saying, you know, uh, we, we love Muslims and uh, Muslim, you know, come on, it's Sharia is okay. Everything's going to be fine under Sharia. might even have you to cause you to have a debate with your minister there or you your go. rabbi or your cousin. Okay. I love it. You know, and that's an interesting point that you just made. People who listen to the show, who attend churches, who interact with their pastors, uh, we should engage with, with the pastors and find out where they stand. And if we find out that they you know, are uh, of the mindset that you know, Islam and Christianity worship the same God or ah. anything we talked about tonight, uh, send them to, to politicalislam.com. Give them some material. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Part of this is we Do need you, to reach out as our lack, as you said earlier, we're, we're losing the information more. Well, we need to expand that information more then. And, and at least you've done your part by, by bringing the truth uh, to these people. And um, at least it, it's somewhere to start. Would, I, would you, I mean, would you recommend Dr. Warner that book? Yes. Okay. Uh, to, to, okay. Anything in addition to that, or would that be sufficient to advance? Actually, what I would recommend is if you would, is I sell a collection of four. By the way, I sell two kinds of books, big books and little books. Uh, well, th there's a story behind this. The book Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, I was lobbying an anti-Sharia bill in the Tennessee legislature, and I was, had a senator tell me I don't have time to do any reading. I don't even have time to read the bills put in front of my face. I said to myself, you just told me that you won't read a big book on Sharia. So I came home, I called on my printer, and I said, how many pages are in one-eighth of one inch? He said 54 pages. So I wrote a 54-page book called Sharia Law for Non-Muslims. It's sold by the tens of thousands. And I'm, I also sell a 480-page Quran, which sells by the dozens. So I went, whoa, wait a minute. The clue phone is ringing. People will not read a big book, but they will read a little book. So therefore, my books all appear in a big book form and a little book form. Hey, if, they, if the man wants a red suit, you turn on the red light, right? So Sharia Law for Non-Muslims was my first little book, and it, like I say, it sells by the tens of thousands. Uh, so, we, in fact, we're going to have to order. Because I know, I know several uh, pastors that uh, should get a copy of of that of that book, and uh, so we're going to have to order a, a number of copies. Uh, our guest, against, yeah, our guest is Doctor Bill Warner. Politicalislam.com is the website. PoliticalIslam.com is the website. Uh, we're coming up against a, a break in just in, in about one minute. And folks, if you missed the the first few segments with Dr. Warner, uh, I don't know how many people saw this. The the perfect man billboard. We were talking about this. 
and the reporting that was being done by the uh, local Indiana news, both in print and on uh, on the TV, about interviewing other Muslims, how they were so appalled by what was on this billboard and how it was hate speech and it wasn't true and their misconceptions. But Dr. Warner laid out through the life of, of Muhammad um, how this is very accurate and how these claims are are not uh, misconceptions, how they're not lies. They are facts and tenets of uh, the life of Muhammad. Folks, when we come back, we're going to continue with Dr. Bill Warner in our final segment. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stream media won't tell you. You are listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Please stand by. Doug and Joe will be right back. listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report, streaming live on the Global Star Radio Network. Don't go away. Doug and Joe will be right back in just a moment. listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Stay tuned. Doug and Joe will be back momentarily.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our final segment with Dr. Bill Warner. He's the author of a number of books, Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, number one best-selling book on Amazon. Got to tell you, it's, it's, it's a small, short book in the Islamic, yeah, number one in uh, the Islamic, uh, let me get the, let me get the right genre here, in Islam and then subgenre law, so uh, that's something to be very proud of. And uh, Dr. Bill Warner holds a PhD in mathematics and physics, and he's been a university professor, businessman, and applied research physicist. Not your typical, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. I was reading some of the comments of um, some people at a popular political forum. It's kind of underground, but I won't name the forum. And they were making fun of the people who are afraid of Sharia law um, and afraid of, of Muslims holding public office. What do you say, uh, Dr. Warner, about about Muslims holding public office in America? Well, they're compelled by if since they're and they identify themselves as Muslims and run with that flag they're under that banner. Uh, their number one commandment is to spread Islam. And to actually, that's not quite true, it's to spread Sharia. Muslims don't really care whether we become convert or not as long as we submit to everything that the Sharia demands. So there's a, the conflict is between the Constitution and Sharia because they, for instance, there are uh, laws which prohibit freedom of speech. Here's an example of one. One of the things the Sharia says, if you leave Islam, you should be killed. Now, somehow or another, do I want somebody serving me in office who believes that if he can ever get full power, those who leave Islam should be murdered? You know, I really don't care for killing apostates. So I think there's a big problem with, with talking to somebody who, who actually would tell me that they will fulfill the Constitution. Don't they take an oath to fulfill the Constitution? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a lie. So if their oath is a lie, after that it just goes downhill real fast as whether I want doing business with me or not. That's a good point. I mean, simple as that. And you can't, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot. You got that right. And there, there it is. Um, one of the comments on this particular forum, the Sharia law does not exist. Period. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, but in, in true idiotic fashion, um, this poster goes into uh, this treatise about how uh, Sharia is God's law, God's commandments concerning human actions, which are categorized in different ways. And um, th- this is a key sentence, and, and we don't even have to talk about this. But I just just to just to kind of showcase some people how they think. Uh, this poster writes, since God in the Quran and the Sunnah, which in parenthetically, Muhammad's deeds, sayings, and way of life, does not often explicitly state which actions belong to which category. It is left to humans to try to figure this out. Again, an abundance, in my view, of, uh, I don't want to say insanity, but uh, lack of knowledge, I suppose, because you figure that much differently well it's interesting to me it's been 9-11 was in 2001 I would have thought 
I'm a, I'm a natural optimist. I would have thought by now that when you made such remarks in America that people would laugh in your face when you talked about Sharia. Yeah. And yet what we find is, is that people don't know, care, and they don't bother. And that it's, it's, there just seems to be a willful ignorance here that I do not understand. And maybe I do understand it because if I'm right, you see, if they're right, we can all go home and sleep. Right, because everything's going to work out fine. There is no Sharia, or Sharia's neat and cool. Sharia's fine. It's just God's law, and that you know God loves us all. So, oddly enough, the Quran is insistent on the fact that God does not love us all. He despises the kafir. But setting that aside, is that it's appalling to me that so little is known in this time, and that it's also appalling, and you'll find people standing up and running their mouth who don't know what they're talking about. And don't seem to concern themselves with that. It really concerns me that professionals, journalists, ministers, college professors, are not doing their job. And uh, and I particularly blame church schools for not doing their job. I do not know of any school you can go to in America and learn much about Islam. Actually, here's an interesting thing about to measure the universities. One Sunday morning, I gave a talk to in a private home to a group of collected Jews who were conservative in their politics. That is, they were not necessarily conservative in the Jewish sense. When I got through, there was a gentleman there who was a full professor at Vanderbilt University. He sits in the university chair, which means he's, his funds come from somewhere else. It's as high in rank as you go. He said to me, Bill, your talk today is original and provocative and creative, but you would never be allowed to give this talk at Vanderbilt because it would offend the wrong people. Now, carefully, what did he say? He said, what you've said here, I mean, that's high praise. Your work is original, creative, and provocative. I mean, actually, if you think about it, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, I would say. And yet you wouldn't be able to give this talk at Vanderbilt University, nor at any other university for that matter. The one time in which I did give a talk at Vanderbilt University, I was not invited by the university, but by a young group uh, who belonged to an organization called uh, Something About Western Civilization. So the schools are supposed to teach the process of how to gain more knowledge, the critical thought. Look, our civilization is based upon two principles, and we're not supporting either one of them. The first principle is the intellectual principle of, of critical thought, scientific thought. That's our, moral, our intellectual foundation, and our moral foundation is the golden rule. Do unto others you would have them do unto you. We may be still remembering some of the golden rule when we must apply it, but we do not remember at all that critical thought is the foundation of our education system. And yet the professors don't care. They don't give a rip. Mm. They just ideological. They give you your ideological injection, and if you can spot it back enough, then you get an A in the course. This mm. is tragic. So our, our universities are corrupt. Our churches are corrupt. And when I say churches, by the way, let me throw in and just say I'll include the synagogues as well. I don't want to give anybody any slack time here. And yet we're all just sort of like going along our way. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I keep coming, you notice I keep coming back to the theme of we're losing because we're playing a losing. We think like losers. We act like losers. We talk like losers. We plan like losers. You know what happens if you do all those things? We have a loser's mentality. You know when all that lines up? The Muslims want to win and we want to tie. If you have two teams going out on the field, one wants to win and the other wants to tie, which one are you going to bet on? You don't even need to bet. You know who's going to win. Exactly. In, in kind of in closing, I, I 
in preparation for um, our conversation tonight, I was looking at uh, some news, and there was a there was an article that appeared in the Kingston, Ontario, uh, newspaper, the Kingston Whig Standard, or an article written by Aaliyah Hogben, I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. The title of it is Sharia and Jurisprudence Not the Same. And the the feature picture is a woman, obviously an Arab woman, a Muslim woman that is, holding a sign, Unite and Fight Against Racism. Right away I thought that sign, um, not really depicting the True. Racism has really nothing to do with what we're speaking about. Race. This is not a race issue, right? Nothing to do. And, and it's a it's a it's a difference of ideology, and and right. it, for Christians, it's a different a difference of faith. But this was a sign held last weekend in New York City. So, Doctor Warner, I mean, you're obviously in disagreement with that sign, right? Well, I'll go back to that. I'm not sure what race has to do with Islam. Islam proudly proclaims it has nothing to do with race. I think they want to deal with the race thing because that makes Whitey feel guilty because of, he all used to own white, used to own black slaves and he's only recently released them or some such thing as that. I do know that race. I think they use the term racist, and I've stated this in public, is the dirtiest word they can use in polite company. That mm-hmm. if we were in, if we were an impolite company, there's other words we can use which are even fouler. And it has nothing to do at all with race. It's just it's the dirtiest word they know how to call you. And they expect most people to call them racist to buckle and, and just give up, say, okay, I quit. You call me a racist. I, 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 whatever you want to do, we can do. Please, I'm not guilty. I'm innocent. I don't want to be part of the racist crowd. I'm not a KKK member. Really, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so it's a straw man. Okay. Which uh, which we've we've addressed before, and, and we understand that. Okay. But this is the problem with the narrative. Um, th- th- that's being rolled out. Now, I'm not sure if you mentioned this or not. The author of this particular article makes reference to the word, is it Feek? F-I-Q-H? Yes, Feek. Okay. Which she states um, is is jurisprudence. Is that, I'm not sure what, what the definition of Feek is it's this it's the judgments of it's the results of applying sharia law okay they want to say the term sharia law is really a misnomer and i sell a book called sharia law for non-muslims and the reason i do that is is i want people to open the book and i want them to have a little understanding and one of the first things i do is to establish that sharia is an entire body of knowledge that includes customs habits how to pray theology but it also includes law Legal decision, jurisprudence is the philosophy behind legal decisions. And yes, it does contain all those things, but all she wants to do is muddy the water with words that you don't know, and so you'll be intimidated and think, well, Sharia must be good for some reason. Uh, okay. What I say is, why don't you go study some Sharia? And by the way, the book that I based my little 60-page book on Sharia law about, I'm looking at, at the the source it came from, which is Reliance of the Traveler, which is a 1,300-page book in fine print. So what I've done is is I only write on Islam from the standpoint of the unbeliever. I don't give a rip about their salvation message. I'm not afraid of their hell, nor do I find the... Well, I guess when I was younger in particular, I'd find the uh, heaven 
uh, more attractive, but it's sort of Hugh Hefner, sort of Hugh Hefner in, in Arab robes. Dr. Warner, as you and I get older, it, it, hold, it holds less of a attraction, I suppose. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the point is, is that the Sharia has been made easy to understand and get out there and understand it. Look, don't trust any Muslim about anything you say about Muhammad. There's only two people you can trust. That's Allah and Muhammad. Don't trust a Muslim. Trust Muhammad. Don't trust a Muslim. Trust Allah. There you go. So what I'm preaching here is a form of heresy, but what I'm saying is get back to the basics. These basics used to be very hard to understand, but now they've been made easy to understand. Don't listen to Muslims. Only listen to Muhammad. That's right. And you're, you're teaching, you're speaking from his own words and, and Islam's own uh, um, material. So it's not like... You don't need to make it up. That's right. It's bad enough as it is. In closing, the uh, the author of this particular piece that just that was just published today, and because you like you like numbers, I'm gonna I'm gonna read read this sentence to you here, and you can have fun with this, um, and comment on this. Now she writes this: of the six thousand or so verses in the Quran. About 80 verses deal with legal matters, and it is reasonable to look into how these have created, created an entire legal system. As a scholar notes, the Quran is not legal or is not a legal or constitutional document, as less than 3% of the text deals with legal matters. Now, have at that, because knowing what you said the last, uh, since you've you know, come on, uh, I know your answer, but uh, go ahead and drive that okay. home. Much more of it deals with uh, Sharia than that. For one thing, let me give you an example. There's page after page on how to pray, which is only briefly mentioned in the Quran. So she can call that legal. It is a Sharia matter. Whether it's a legal matter or not, I don't know. How she determines whether, for instance, in the Sharia we have how a will is to be made out, how a will is to be executed. We have uh, how children are to be raised. So the Sharia contains an awful lot of things. So far as the actual legal content, I will point out one interesting thing. Muhammad was a businessman. That's how he made his money. It's interesting that the longest verse in the Quran is, is about contract law. So I, my impression is that I've never tried to use the hard definition of what is purely legal. Instead, I just use the, the understanding of what goes into the Sharia. But I get a feeling it's more than 3%. Let's deal with jihad, for instance. Jihad is not considered to be a legal principle, and yet the Quran is very clear about jihad. The Sunnah is very clear about jihad, and the Sharia is very clear about jihad and defines jihad as subjugating the Muslim, as subjugating the kafir. So now, is that a legal thing, or is it just something to be feared? I'm I don't care whether she calls it legal or not. I don't like jihad. Amen to that. Very well done, Dr. Bill Warner. You've Taking us really, taking us right to the uh, to the brink of our of the end of our program here. Uh, one more time, your book, of course, one of your books, Sharia Law for Non-Muslims. Get that at Amazon, right? Or you can get it from my website. Okay. Buy it either place. I like it better if you buy it from me because I make more money. I love that too. That's right. Uh, okay, and your website is politicalislam.com. dot com. All right. Now, how do and I say? Go ahead. If 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 uh, somebody wants you to autograph the book, can, can that be done through your website? You know, if you put it, you know, I've never done that. 
Oh. I'm not very clever in running my business. I just stated that I enjoy selling books, but I never, you know, I've been told by my daughter, dad, if you'll sell signed copies, you can sell them for more money. Sure. So anyway, then, no, then none of them are signed. I'm going to, I'm going to buy uh, a I bunch just, of, uh, Dr. Warner, I'm going to buy 10 and sell them on eBay for a premium because, you know. There you go. You have one of the few signed copies. <laughs> <laughs> no, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. But anyway, I sell all kinds of books, but they all deal with Allah and Muhammad. They all deal with Islam. And they are all, let me emphasize this again, easy to read. Now, I've been told they're not as easy to read as I say. For instance, my book on Sharia law, a guy said, theoretically, you could read this book in an hour's time. But what happens is you read one page and you go, whoa. Mm-hmm. He says, you put the book down, you start thinking about that. Like, oh, my goodness gracious. Do you realize the consequences of this? So it's been said that it is a small book, but it takes the time to read because it has so much to digest. Studying Islam is like reading science fiction about a world that ha- where everything has two meanings and everything is upside down. But mm. I find it fascinating. Wow. And I love it because once you have some of these facts at your disposal, you can easily persuade anybody in a debate because you'll keep saying, well, you said, can you give any reference for it? Because everything I say, I can reference to Allah and Muhammad. Neulich im Kindergarten. Beep. Das macht dann 10 Euro. Was? Bei Netto Markendiscount gibt's doch diese Woche die Samstagskracher. Kinderschokolade. Die 300 Gramm Packung für nur 2,49 Euro. Dann geh doch zu Netto! Okay. So well sourced, bottom line. Yes. That's all I was. One, one guy said, Bill, your books are really just one vast succession of well written footnotes. <laughs> Wow, that, that that's kind of a, that's an interesting compliment. Well, it is because in like in my life of Muhammad, as an example, every paragraph has a little index number, like a verse number, so that you can go back to the original source material. If I say that if you read in my book Muhammad and the Unbelievers, and it says and Muhammad commanded kill every Jew you can lay your hands on, you go, oh, that can't be true. Well, there's a little index number that starts the paragraph. You can go to the source text, the Sirah, and that's you'll find that. He did say that mm. in slightly more flowery language. Very well. Very well done. You know, I'm going to have to uh, get your larger books uh, for, for reference, but uh, indeed more of your uh, your other Sharia, Sharia law from non-Muslims, more of those copies. You can give them out as gifts. Father's Day is coming, folks. You know, good. good uh, hey, educate your dad. Educate that man and uh or educate the pastor dr bill warner thank you so much for joining us very topical very on target information my goodness thank uh, you i mean as you can tell i enjoy myself more than anybody else when i talk about islam <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, if, for the reasons you know yeah to to educate others because i'll tell you something uh um you know your stuff and uh i'd like to yeah i'd love to see you in the debate head to head yeah. head to head with uh What's his face? Uh, Eber, uh, what's the guy from Care? Have you, uh, have you debated Ibrahim him? Yeah, have you have you debated him at all? No, I've not. Tell you, I'd rather debate. I'd rather debate your minister. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Okay. I'd uh, rather debate an apologist rather than a Muslim. Everybody wants to see me lock horns with the Muslims. I say I don't really concern myself much with Muslims. I'd rather lock horns with a kafir who believes the crap that Islam puts out. Him, I'd love to debate. The guy who's the columnist for the newspaper who writes these apologist articles. But anyway, that's just my fantasy. Well, I'll tell you what: when we when we get uh, 
our pages of uh, responsive emails to this broadcast, which I'm sure we will. We'll send a few over to you. You can debate them. <laughs> my brother thanks a lot i'm enjoying myself hey th- thank you and, and I'm, I'm i'm serious man i'm gonna come down and i'm gonna take you out to dinner i really am good all right brother thank Bye-bye. you doctor all right folks uh, that was dr bill warner uh my goodness uh, political islam.com and seriously the the book he has written and i do have a copy sharia law for non-muslims i think that's what now five years old maybe six years old um uh, i do have a copy of that extremely well written but I want to get one of the hint, hint. Give me the autograph one, not the bigger one. Oh, okay. Because okay, I really want to get get into the. Uh, you get a birthday next year, right? <laughs> well, you know, Sunday's Father's Day. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm messing around. Um, so but, just real quick, yeah. Uh, go ahead. If you missed the first hour of the show, at least the second segment of the first hour, we had Andrew Kerr on. Now, Andrew Kerr has done uh, a great job of investigating some potential fraud-like activity within uh, David Brock's political super PAC organizations. Yes. Go to the citizensaudit.com and click on the article that's from June 1st. I believe it's right at the top of the website. starts with the word announcement. And there it gives a detailed description of what he's trying to do. He's assembled a team, uh, including Scott Gessler, the former Secretary of State of Colorado, a forensic accountant named Christina Cook, and others to pursue a case uh, and file a complaint with the FEC, the Federal Elections Commission, against Media Matters. Uh, They're running uh, these super PACs, these political organizations, and money's funneling from one to the other illegally uh, when you have non-political money going into political organizations and and vice versa. Uh, And all the people that he has surrounded himself with agree that this is actionable information and could go far. He's trying to raise money. So there is a donate button there. If you can donate, please do. If you can't donate, uh, spread that far and wide, that page. Exactly. And spread it on social media, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, however it can be uh, disseminated to other people. Make sure you do that. Also, if you go on that article, there is a pledge you can sign, and that pledge is going to be used to uh, update people and show the level of support that is behind this endeavor. So make sure you do that. And also on HagmanReport.com, there's a number of articles, original uh, content articles from Liz Crokin, uh, Peter Choka, and also uh, Sergeant Tim. The two that Liz Crokin has up are uh, the Virginia shooting is tied to sex trafficking and Seth Rich evidence disappearing. Both of those are on the front page of HagmanReport.com. So make sure you go there. And spread those articles as well. Do, do, do me a favor as well. Go to, go to American Thinker and look up Peter Chuka's uh, article, The Murdoch uh, Boys. Um, you, you can just search. You can search his name as an author, C H O W K A, and make a comment on that and post that on social media. That particular or the, or column that he wrote, it, it's a four thousand word uh, or, uh, column. I think I was. Really, kind of ties up his three previous articles, but it, I've got a reason for doing it because it contains a quote of mine, and I really think that that the word has to get out there of what is taking place to to the media, the conservative yeah. media. Um, uh, Scott Greer from the Daily Caller. Hey, were you finished? No. Two, two more things, real quick. I just want to mention this, it, and then you, you can have it all. Uh, you're going to be seeing over the next 72 hours an amazing number of 
uh, pieces of information that's going to be published by the Washington Post. One already is leaks coming from within the Mueller camp, and this is designed to take down Donald Trump. And the last thing is on the racial division or the uh, ideological divide, uh, several shots were fired at a truck flying, make yeah. America great again, flag yep, on I 465 that. out of uh, Indianapolis. I believe there's a black, a couple of black 20 yeah. in their twenties, black kids in their twenties yeah. fired at a truck with the Magna sign. Yeah, but, but the, the, this, okay. So you've got the leaks, you've got the, the, uh, the hatred and the actual, uh, civil war in progress as, as uh, Dr. Michael Savage talks about, and then you've got the political threats taking place. So go ahead and finish it out. Well, uh, I just wanted to make sure I, I was going to post this tonight, but I'm going to leave the, the website alone for the next 10, hour, 10 to 12 hours or so. Um, this from the Daily Caller, Media to America. Don't politicize an obvious act of political violence. Scott Greer has been a guest on our show yes. uh, a number of times, and he's written a, a, an awesome, uh, pretty big article on the Daily Caller. Again, the title is Media to America. Don't politicize an obvious act of political violence. And... He points out in the very beginning of the article, he says, in the span of a few weeks, two crazy Bernie supporters have committed acts of violence against innocent Americans. He cites the first one. In May, Jeremy Christian stabbed and killed two men after berating two Muslim women in, on Portland, Oregon train. Uh, and then he, he cites yesterday's shooting of James Hodgkinson uh, opening fire on congressional Republicans. He says the big difference between the two events is that only one was seized upon as a disturbing example of the rising political violence in the nation, the incident the media was able to pin on the right. Christensen's stabbing was depicted as a deliberate act of white supremacist terror, uh, even though yeah. he was uh, a supporter for many left-wing causes and had a desire to murder all Trump supporters and Jeff Sessions and the fact that his victims were all white. Anyway, that, even though he was a leftist guy, they tried to blame that as uh, right-wing political violence. Even President Trump was blamed for the violence and was often um, uh, put down for talking, taking too long to condemn it. Uh, and they go on to say, meanwhile, these same folks in the media and uh, politics are now strongly urging all Americans not to pol politicize a leftist trying to assassinate Republican politicians. Suddenly, the people who whip up outrage anytime a story pops out that fits their narrative transform themselves into simply wanting social harmony and decency after an attack a response we usually only see after Islamic terror. And then it, it goes to, to uh, go through a number of, of instances where the left-wing media pushed a story that Trump somehow, um, you know, was responsible or is responsible for violence or, or hate crimes, um, even though a lot of these hate crimes turn out to be fake, and how when there actually is political violence carried out by the left, like we've seen so much in the last uh, six months, that especially this shooting that involved congressmen. Scott Greer is pointing out the, the media, how they're so hypocritical. And, you know, we've, we've seen this before. There, there's been a number of times in our country where political violence has happened from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement to, uh, you know, the protesting of the Vietnam War to, I mean, there, there have been instances in the past where political violence has happened. But it's different this time. And, and I agree that it is different this time that we are with we're dealing with a whole different set of circumstances, a whole different mindset of the people. And not only that, the media is on the side, the mainstream media and the, the deep state deep and the state. people at the top. These are the people who are.
pushing for this violence, and that is different than any other time in history. But uh, I'm I'm going to tell you right now, I will fight back. Of course. I, I want to end this on a happy, or not a happy note, but kind of a humorous note. Don't be like Lawrence John Ripple, 71 years old from Kansas City, Kansas. He couldn't spend another day with his wife. He walked into a bank in Kansas City, handed the teller a note saying, I've got a gun, give me money, sat down, waited to be arrested. This happens like every year. Okay, because, yeah, he he did, he, he, he said, I, I, I can't spend another moment. I want to go to jail. Uh, I want to be in jail rather than being at home. Anyway, long story short, he was uh, uh, sentenced by by the judge who sentenced him to, guess what? House arrest? House arrest. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. So that should put a smile on your face. Uh, there you go, uh, Lawrence John Ripple. That's what you get. But, uh, folks, very serious. Expect a lot of news out of D.C. inside the Beltway. More leaks damaging to Donald Trump. And it's uh, it's horrible. Killing the presidency is what's taking place and the republic. We will see you back here tomorrow. Have a great evening. Neulich im Kindergarten. Bieb, das macht dann 10 Euro. Was? Bei Netto Markendiscount gibt's doch diese Woche die Samstagskracher. Plattförsiche, Klasse 1, die 1 Kilo Schale für nur 1,29 Euro. 